This is the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Don't forget that you can listen to us across the Faith Radio Network for the entire hour, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Central or 10 a.m. Eastern. If you want your question read on the show or have any comments, send it to Jeremiah at askjjj.com. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And good morning. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show, welcoming you to episode 52 of our broadcast. Wow, can you believe it? 52 episodes of the Jeremiah Johnston Show radio show and broadcast, where every single program, we are dedicated to answering your difficult questions about the Christian faith, assuring your faith, um, bringing you clarity from the biblical worldview, from the Word of God, um, for the things that we all face, the challenges in life that get thrown at us, the adversity that comes against us anytime we do th- something for the Lord. And I am delighted that today we are in a celebration mode, continuing the spirit of Acts fourteen twenty seven, where the church came together to celebrate all that God was doing among them to reach the Gentiles and the wide world of the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also sent an email, and by the way, I do hope that you're on my personal email list. Uh, the email only comes out when I write it. Nobody writes it for me. So sometimes it's a couple times a month, and then sometimes I don't have time to write because I'm too busy doing the ministry. <laughs> but please join the email list. Go to ChristianThinkers.com. Go to the bottom right. Give me your name and your email address, and uh, that will only be used for us to communicate to you um, things that are happening both proactively and reactively uh, according to our Christian faith. So definitely want to encourage you to sign up. I bring that up because... I sent out an email to our list this week where I let them know, according to 1 Samuel chapter 7, that this week I am raising an Ebenezer to the Lord. Do you remember when Samuel did that, when God gave the Israelites victory over the Philistines, symbolically he he brought together stones, he put them together symbolically and said, I raise an Ebenezer to the Lord, a sig- signifying my gratitude that every time you see these stones, you're going to remember the victory was not because of what we did, but because of divine intervention in our lives this day. And the rest of the chapter goes on to say that the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel because of his faithfulness. I'm raising an Ebenezer today on Faith Radio Network to give God praise for 52 broadcasts that have gone out that people have listened to across this network and truly around the world through the internet, through on demand, through the podcasts. I am praising God for his work through this broadcast. So thank you so much for the many testimonies that we have received that you've emailed, you've contacted me on social media. I just finished a phone call with a new friend telling me that he is binging this radio broadcast because it's making such an impact in his life, helping him grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Friends, I'm delighted about how God's using it. So celebrate with us, whether you sit back, relax, enjoy this program. Uh, we're doing a highlight reel. Don't you love that on SportsCenter when they do the best of or the top 10 plays? Uh, in many ways, these are the top 10 plays that we've had over the last year at uh, Christian Thinker Society on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I want to revisit some of our greatest interviews in our time together today. Um, in fact, what do Alistair McGrath, Ronnie Floyd, Sheila Walsh and Angie Smith, 
Rick Renner and David Limbaugh have in common? Well, they're some of our most downloaded, requested shows that we've had from the last year. And I want to revisit some of the interesting, difficult, challenging conversations that I had with these individuals. So stay with us. Um, we're going to come right back with Alistair McGrath and David Limbaugh on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And you're going to come midstream into a very important conversation that we're having about the faith. So stay with us. You're listening to Faith Radio Network. This is Jeremiah Johnston celebrating our 52nd radio broadcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Jeremiah thanking God for 52 episodes. And we're going to go right now to my conversation with the great apologist, Christian thinker, former atheist from Oxford University, Professor Dr. Alistair McGrath. And what I loved about this conversation, as you're going to hear, if you haven't heard it already, he tells us that Christianity is relevant to answer the questions our world has today. Christianity is not the answer to yesterday's problems. It's the answer to today. Let's go to our good friend in this wonderful conversation with Alistair McGrath. Well, I'm an atheist who became a Christian, and as I've um, journeyed in my faith, I've grown in my faith, and I've grown by talking to other Christians, by reading books, by thinking, and it's equipped me to engage some of these big questions our culture's asking. And what I'm saying really is this, look, don't just be a passenger on the Christian uh, church if you think of it as being a ship, you're not just a passenger. You're actually actively contributing. You're thinking about your faith. You're trying to say, how does this help me make sense of this? How does this, in effect, help me to explain this to my friends at work who ask me these questions? It's very much about welcoming challenges because they help us go further and deeper in our faith. And so in many ways, this book is simply saying, look, we, we do need to do this. It, it's good for us, but it's also good for the people we're talking about. It helps us to build bridges with our culture and help people realize what is at the heart of Christianity that is so exciting and so wonderful. Something that I think you've done so wonderfully in your scholarship and your ministry, you have discussed the importance of mentorship. You had 10 minutes with a gentleman by the name of Charles Colson when you were at Oxford. Can you discuss how important that interaction was in your journey at that point from atheism to belief in Christ? Yes, I'd love to talk about that, although I just say to your listeners that we're talking about an English Charles Coulson, <laughs> not yes. the, the very much more famous American one. But Charles Coulson was a professor of chemistry at Oxford back in the 1970s when I had just come to faith. And I was trying to figure out, look, I used to be an atheist, and it seemed obvious that science and faith conflict. I've become a Christian. Is there a better way of thinking about the relationship of science and faith? And this very senior Oxford academic, who was also a Methodist lay preacher, preached a sermon in which he talked about this. And as I listened to him, I thought, this works, and I can make this work in my life. In other words, he in effect gave me a way of thinking that answered my questions and became the basis for my own reflection on these. And that, that in one sense, what a mentor is. It's somebody who helps you to see things in a different way, who gives you a way of seeing things, which helps you. And Coulson and I stayed together for a while. He, he died of cancer, unfortunately, shortly afterwards, but he really helped me 
What I'm saying is, look, I've been helped by lots of people. Maybe I help people myself. But all of us need to ask, are there people who can help us grow in our faith? And in turn, can we help others as well? And so in this book, I talk about C.S. Lewis. I talk about Jim Packer, John Stott, Dorothy All says, all because I found them really helpful. And I just hope that people who read this book will find them helpful as well. They're like people who hold our hands as we journey along the road of faith and say, look, I found this helpful. Does this help you? It's about being together and sharing ideas. And we're discussing about the importance of mentorship and relationship, reading, interacting with other wonderful Christian thinkers. In chapter 8, I loved your section on double listening. Can you discuss Pastor John Stott and his whole notion of double listening? Well, this is John Stott's big idea. And in fact, that that, uh, chapter was originally a talk I gave um, about John Stott in London. And Stott is saying, look, we need to listen very carefully to Scripture to try and make sure we've understood Scripture. Then we need to ask, what questions is our culture asking? So we listen to our culture. And then we say, right, I need to translate into the language of our culture what I'm finding in Scripture. We listen to Scripture for the answers. We listen to our culture for the questions. Then we say, right, can we translate the answers of scripture into the language our world is doing and stop saying it's not easy but we need to figure out how to do it and i think he did it quite well i guess i guess some quotes from some of his sermons where i think he really um, does this very very well but of course for all of us that's important because everyone listening to this show will know one audience very well the people you work with the people you talk to your family and your challenge is to say right i've read the bible now how would i explain Explain this to them using language and ideas that they can understand. It's about seeing yourself as somebody who can be the bridge between the world of the Bible and the everyday world, helping people to see what the Bible is all about and gradually moving to a point where they can step into that world of the Bible and discover it for themselves. You said in a talk I listened to 12 years ago now, you defined apologetics in one of the clearest ways I've ever heard it defined, Professor McGrath. You said that apologetics, and I remember it almost word for word, is all about making sure the Christian faith connects up well with the questions our culture is asking today about our faith. Can you discuss how important it is for every Christian to engage with the questions people are asking today? Thank you. The real problem we face is that people see Christianity as an answer to yesterday's questions, and hence of no relevance today. What we need to do is be able to translate our language into what Lewis calls the cultural vernacular. In other words, we need to actually think about how we translate our language into today's language, but also answer the questions that people are asking. They're still asking deep questions about meaning, about value. One of the questions that our culture is asking is this, do I really matter? People use social media to try and present a facade, but behind that facade, very often they are uncertain, they're They're worried. They have no hope. And what we need to do is be able to show how Christianity engages those deep cultural anxieties, talking about meaning, hope, love, all these things our culture needs to hear. And each of us needs to figure out how best we can do this with the people we're talking to. Our next guest on this very special broadcast is David Limbro. 
I've heard you speak before, and I want to just give you this quote because I think it feeds right into your testimony. I've, I've talked about in one of my books, Ludwig Feuerbach, who famously said in the 19th century uh, that man made God in his image and not the other way around. How does that factor into your testimony? That's interesting because I think I even said that. Maybe I subconsciously stole it from you. Maybe even before you wrote it, or he wrote it, or maybe I did. I don't know. But I think I said that in one of these books, that um, I, what I tried to do is I, I was a skeptic as a young adult. I was raised in a Christian family in a church, and it was great, but it just didn't sink in with me. For some reason, maybe I was inattentive, unserious, whatever. But I became a pretty ardent seeker in my 20s, and I just kept looking to find something that would help me because uh, I wanted to be a believer, to be honest with you. I knew it was the right team to be on in, in the vernacular, and I don't mean that in any blasphemous way. I just mean sure. in the vernacular, I knew that Christianity was right, but I couldn't intellectually uh, believe it yet. And the irony is that I really hadn't ever given it a chance. I mean, mm. I, I, I didn't know about the Bible. I didn't affirmatively reject the Bible because I hadn't ever read it or studied it. Um and I had problems, with, and I'll, we'll go into some of that later, but I had some doubts, and I started reading apologetics. I don't know if you remember the – this is an older guy, uh, procedure, dad sees me, um, Paul Little, Know yes. What and Why You Believe, two different books, and they were consolidated. And I found that in the Canterbury Cathedral, I think it was, in London when I was visiting with my fa- grandfather in the early 30s and visiting the courts in England. Uh, my mm. grandfather was a lawyer, practiced till he was 103. My dad was a wow. lawyer, practiced a lawyer. And so I was fascinated by that, and, and what he said made total sense, uh, but I, that made intellectual sense, but I still didn't overcome my doubt. Um, I remember reading smatterings of Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict that's now come out in revised form with Sean, his son. Sean is a great guy. Uh, and I just I, I kept studying and seeking, and I couldn't quite overcome my doubts and um, one, I, the divinity of Christ and the rest of it. I just didn't get it. So I went to this prayer breakfast, CBNC, I think, or CNBC, whatever, Christian, Christian Men's Business Conference, and in my hometown, and they had a speaker there, Dave Dravecki, who was a former yes. baseball player, and he lost his arm to cancer. And he was a, he gave a great, inspired speech, but that didn't get me anywhere either. I thought it was impressive. But they left cards at the end of the talk, if you want to learn more about Jesus Christ, please sign this card. And I thought, oh, man, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to be around a bunch of scolds and all that. And, <laughs> but I, I signed it. What? I guess the Holy Spirit prompted me to sign it. I signed it, began to meet in a small group, and we went through this pamphlet called First Steps. And it, it, it instilled in us. It was pretty simple, but it was basic about the, the divinity of Christ, the authenticity, the reliability of the Scriptures, but I'll tell you what really got me to the point where I could no longer deny intellectually that the Bible's true and that Jesus is who he says he is, and that was the Messianic prophecies. That just mm. blew me away. And so I Can just, you define that for uh, one and, minute, David? Can you define, when you yeah. say Messianic prophecy, just for the—we for have a lot of new believers who listen to this broadcast. Can you just uh, give a footnote on that for a moment? Yes, there's there are a lot of— places in the Old Testament where the Old Testament prophets uh, would make certain allusions, and some are very specific, like Isaiah, and they describe Christ's passion on the cross, for example. And this is 
hundreds and thousands, in some cases thousands of years, or 700 years before Christ was even born, uh, or Micah 5, 2, that the Messiah would come, be born in Bethlehem, and there are various things. But if you, I'll give you an example, uh, and I put this in my one of my books, where uh, a guy was uh, went up to a, a Salvation Army uh, speech. I'm trying to remember who who the speaker was. Ironside, I think it was Reverend Ironside, and he. Uh, this guy was a skeptic, and he was in the back of the room, and he always left before the sermons were over. And Ironside noticed it. So one time he came and he tried to corner him so he couldn't get out. I, I don't mean physically corner him, but he said, okay, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Why, what is this person leaving for? And so he had a conversation with this guy. He said he just couldn't get himself to believe the New Testament seemed foreign to him. But if if he could just read, he says, Isaiah is so beautiful. If I could just If I could just read that and believe in Jesus Christ, uh, I would, I would be a Christian. And mm. so he, he asked. He turned to Isaiah fifty-two, I think, or whatever. And it was whatever the, the 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 verse is. And he asked him to read it and tell him who it was describing. And the guy started reading it, and he burst out in tears and he ran out of the room. Wow! Because he was so emotionally drained. And finally, anyway, long story short, he, it was undeniable to this man that this was describing in intimate detail the passion of Christ. So my point is when you – there's so many. There's hundreds of Messianic points in the Old Testament pointing to Christ. In fact, I wrote a whole book, the, the Emmaus Code, about how in the many ways the Old Testament points to Jesus, not just the prophecies, the covenants and, and everything else. And uh, I, the types and the figure, I, I just think it's so amazing. And you see the Bible is integrated. And some people say, well, you, you rely on the Bible, and there's no external proof. Well, the Bible is internally self-proving, for one thing. But there's so much, there's an overwhelming body of evidence affirming the truth of Christianity. So that even if I do have some lingering doubts from time to time, I know that the overwhelming body of evidence that's real, objective evidence is so strongly in favor uh, of the reality of Jesus Christ being who he says he is, that I know that it's something that that is with me that is out of phase, not with the Bible. And so... I, I, I don't ultimately have doubts that I can't uh, reconcile. This is Jeremiah jumping in because we've got to go to a break. Isn't it powerful to reflect on the fact that what brought David Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh's brother to Jesus Christ, was studying the messianic prophecies in God's word. Never underestimate the prophetic power in the scriptures. We're going to be right back for more of the highlight reel of the Jeremiah Johnston show from our first year. Stay with us. Friends, it's Jeremiah Johnston. We're celebrating 52 radio broadcasts the first year by looking at highlights from some of the best segments from our unique guests that we've experienced on this radio ministry. I want to go right now to Dr. Ronnie Floyd, that wonderful pastor and leader, a wonderful man of prayer, someone who God has raised up uniquely in our nation. And I'll never forget the conversation because he talked about those moments when God leaves us with a limp. Buckle your seatbelt. This is going to challenge you. Let's go now to our conversation with Dr. Ronnie Floyd. 
So I want to begin uh, with a personal note, friends. Uh, Some of you are probably aware that my wife and I and our triplets, who were 13 months old at the time, along with Lily Faith and Justin, we were emergency evacuated from Fort Bend County. Mm -hmm. And we did not know what was happening. Mm -hmm. And that first Sunday after Hurricane Harvey, I turned on the television. We weren't in church. We're actually at a friend's house. Mm -hmm. And I see you, Dr. Floyd, on Fox and Friends on a Mm -hmm. Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. They asked you to pray. And, you know, I thought it was just me at the time. And then I Mm -hmm. saw it was it blew up on Twitter. It went viral. It went on social media. Talk about what it meant to pray for our nation in a moment that was really challenging for so many of us. You know, I'm a Texan. And so I have a heart for Texas and grew up not far from Houston. So grew up with hurricanes swirling in and around us, you know. And with that, Jeremy, I've had a real heart every time we face an issue like that in our country. And um, that weekend, I just happened to be away. I was in Birmingham with my son, who's a football coach there. And I uh, got a call. Fox and Friends wanted me to come on. And so I I went down to the studio and was there and was talking about that. The the president had had asked for a day of prayer for America, if you remember Mm -hmm. that, which is pretty unique i mean it shows how devastated that part of the country was and when he did that at the end of my my time of talking and answering their questions trying to be what what i felt like i needed to be in that setting Mm -hmm. they asked me at the end of that broadcast uh well dr floyd would you lead us in praying for america today Mm -hmm. i mean you know I mean, this is Fox News. This isn't a Christian this is, station. No, man. I, I could, and so I, 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 I just went in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God got on it. And I got finished with that prayer. And I said, after the guy in the studio, I was, I was doing this in Birmingham. I said, can you believe what they just asked me to do? Mm-hmm. He said, I, listen, I've done this my whole life. I have never in my life yeah. seen yeah. that happen. Well, you know, it was so stunning, I think, to listeners. I mean, immediately it blew up. And by the afternoon, it was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And thank God Mm -hmm. that God, in his heart, chose to lift that up. Amen. Amen. To encourage people in this day and time. And if nothing else, it encouraged those who were outside of that region simply to say, Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that we need to go to God anytime, anywhere, about anything. And that's what we did. Dr. Floyd, thank you for writing Living Fit. I sure. have a final question for you. Ask all of our guests that mm-hmm. come on this program. Um, I have been asked over 10,000 text message questions at live events, just like the one we're at right now, from Christians primarily. And I would love to know in your Christian journey, What's the unanswered question perhaps you struggled with the most, or perhaps you're dealing with it right now, that one question that you look forward to ask God, or perhaps it was formative early on in your life. Uh, but I personally think that vulnerability is the new superpower in reaching people. <laughs> um, so what, what is the unanswered question you've struggled with, Dr. Floyd? Well, that's a great question. It's probably the one that people ask me all the time. One of the greatest illustrations of that would be the loss of a young life. Mm. A young life that was valuable, a life that was making a difference for God. Uh, I think of a young minister by the name of Andrew Prey, mm. who was the son of my worship uh, leader named Buster Prey, who's now leading my Pinnacle Hills campus. 
uh, as the leader of the ministry. Uh, after he became uh, that, he was in a major church in Atlanta, uh, was out on an afternoon just before Thanksgiving or the day before Thanksgiving and uh, on his bike. And, and you know, the son was out and, and the driver of a bus did not see him. And Andrew lost his life. He was 30, 31 years of age. It's one of those devastating moments I've ever gone through as a pastor. I had so many people ask me that question. Mm-hmm. Why in the world? I mean, we're talking about a guy that was already a major worship leader in a major church in Atlanta. Effective family. Yeah, Yeah. family, young family. I mean, we're talking about a a game changer. Mm. I don't know the answer to that. Mm. And the only thing I can do is to, to, I reminded the family that day on that funeral that I did, that was one of the most challenging moments of my life. Uh, It reminded me of when Jacob wrestled with the Lord. Mm. And... um, God gave him a limp yeah. the rest of his life. And it doesn't mean that life is going to be bad from now on. It just means you're going to have a limp. Mm-hmm. That reminds you of your need for God Amen. every day. And that your call is to trust him through life. Here's my question for you, Angie Smith. Why are you still a Christian with the ultimate pain that you've experienced and you just take it from there? Truly, it's a great question. Um, And the fact that you're even asking it is really powerful because I think that, and it was one of the reasons that I wasn't interested in Christianity because I felt like what I was seeing was a bunch of people who really believed this 100% and never doubted. And, Mm. you know, I'm reading scripture and saying there, there are precedents. That, that say this is okay and right. we were you know we are created to be thinkers and I would be lying if I didn't say that there were times I mean during that and after and before um, it's been a really 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 difficult year and a half for me and mm. there are moments where I've just sat in my car and pounded a steering wheel and screamed and said like God you can fix this why aren't you? you? You can fix this. And I, I just think it's important for us to say that God is not intimidated by our emotions. He's not intimidated Amen. by us being angry because he knows. I just think it's, it's silly that we as, you know, a lot of believers are like, you shouldn't do this. I, I just keep thinking, he knows everything in your mind. Like, <laughs> That's right. It's not a secret. You know, like you might as well bring it to him because it's there. So... Um, and I think the same thing is true about faith and several times and, you know, with large audiences, I said, is there anyone in here? Basically, just raise your hand if you are someone who at any point in your faith, no matter where you are, has doubted in some way. And it, the whole place raises their hands. And That's then right. Kind of That's right. Each other. Like, is that OK? Are we? And then, of course, they're like. Some people don't, and I'm like, well, you're liars, you know? That's right. <laughs> I, I don't think that. But in my heart, I'm like, let's not do this to people. Let's let's just not. Let's not make that something that we feel guilty about. It, and I feel very, very passionate about that. So, Angie, take us back to your story. For those that maybe 
uh, listening to you for the very first time. And again, if you're just joining us on the Jeremiah Johnston program, my guest is international Bible teacher and best-selling author, Angie Smith. Tell us about your story. Unpack it for us, if you would. Sure. Um, well, my husband is a singer. He's in a Christian group. They're called Sela. And at the time, we were pregnant with what would have been our fourth daughter. This has been 10 years now, which is really hard to believe. But we went in for an ultrasound, and really, we, we just sort of wanted to find out what the baby's gender was, because mm-hmm. we already had three girls, didn't expect anything to be wrong. And it just, you know, from the minute the text started looking, we could tell that there was something that was drastically wrong. In fact, I didn't even say something wrong. I said, is she going to live? Um, wow. And she just shook her head and said, I don't think so. Um, and so... The doctor came in. I don't know why I said this, because to be completely frank, I'm, I'm generally like not in the moment. I can hold up really well. You don't want to be anywhere around me like a half an hour after the crisis is over. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, um, I think I just went into a mode. And basically, he said, like, do you understand what's going on? And I just said, and this is, again, like, this is not a anti-spiritual all the time. This is a gift that God gave me. But I said, I know that my Jesus is the same as he was before I walked in the store. I know that. Wow. And wow. he just kind of looked at me, and I know I think he was like, okay, I think she's checked out. So hmm. <laughs> he um, looked over the ultrasound and just said, I'm going to tell you what's going on. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And just kept listing things. They shuffled us into another room and started talking about how far along it could be in Nashville to abort. And if I still wanted to wait, I could go to Ohio because they're, you know, a little bit later. And that was it. I mean, and it was. Wow. Just, you know, you don't understand it until you're in that position. The impression they gave me was that she was in pain. And so I just remember, you know, as a mom, I, I would have said, you know, to me, this is a black and white issue. And I, in that moment, I'm thinking, how do I be the best mom? Is she hurting? Is she, um, mm-hmm. it's really hard. And with all that said, we, we saw several, what I would call miracles along the way. Um, but ultimately when she was born, um, she just, she couldn't make it. Um, she just didn't have what she needed to. And so she lived for about two and a half hours. And I'm so grateful that we did carry her and that we trusted God with that because there's nothing that could replace that time. And she's real to my kids and she's a part of our family. So yeah, she would be 10. And we had another daughter after her. Her name's Charlotte. She was born on my birthday. <laughs> she's wow. eight. Um, but, yeah, and that was sort of how I started the blog, was to tell people what was going on, because I was overwhelmed with telling it over and over again. It felt like a safe way. Yeah. And so it, I just think that a lot of people connected with it because it's something, whether it's a miscarriage or even an abortion or a loss of an adult child, this kind of loss, there, unfortunately, it isn't something that's in regular conversation in the Christian world. Hmm. I hope you're taking notes, as I am with our guest, Angie Smith. Tell us about I Will Carry You. Well, that that came, um, the idea that came from the blog, but it isn't, it isn't, there are a few entries, but it's really just, it's her story. Um, and again, it was something that was really difficult, but really cathartic. It, writing is safe to me, because I can just be sitting on my bed and expressing things the way that I want to, and I'm not on the spot, and I can sort of process my way through it. So 
that is where that originated was from the blog. And then it just sort of became its own thing. And I, I just, it's such a special, it was such a special gift to me to be able to share her with people because they're, you know, everywhere I go, events that I do, I know statistically how many women in the audience have experienced this. And I think about this book that I got to write and how many times in my life I get to say, Audrey, Audrey, mm. she's a real person. And so many people don't. And it was really a powerful realization when people started coming up to me and saying, I've never talked about this or wow. Um, you know, it just to me, more than anything, it felt like I was joining this group that no one wants to be in, but that we could just sort of like come together and feel like we weren't alone. And that, that book to me was just like sort of a contribution to that as my effort to say, you aren't alone. And also this isn't a practical, like secular book. This is Jesus. And Amen. because most of it is secular. So yeah, it was really it was such an honor. I, I can never even find the word. This is Jeremiah Johnston, and I'm just speechless every time I revisit the conversation that I had with Angie Smith. Her unanswered question for God was, Lord, why did you take Audrey, my daughter? Why did you take her? Um, some of these conversations are so challenging to us spiritually that it's important we revisit them and we ponder them in our own lives as well. Isn't it great that... When you look around at the world, there are question marks, but we can bring those question marks to the Lord. He hears us and he answers. What a great conversation with Angie Smith. So encouraging, so powerful. We're going to be right back with more of the best of the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Stay with us. everybody. It's Jeremiah Johnston welcoming you back to our best of highlight reel for the Jeremiah Johnston show first year. Again, this is episode 52. If you're just joining us across faith radio network, and I want to go right now to a conversation with international pastor, incredible Bible teacher, personal mentor of mine, pastor Rick Renner, who pastors in Moscow, Russia. Everything he says is mic drop. It's fabulous. I write it down. Let's go to our conversation with my dear friend and brother, Rick Renner right now. What is your big idea for this book, The Will of God? You've written over 30 books. <laughs> but you know, Jeremiah, it's really a good book. And it's a different take on the will of God. I believe that the Apostle Paul was out of the will of God for the first five years of his ministry. Wow. He knew the will of God, but he didn't really get in the will of God until Acts chapter 18. Interesting. When he was saved, Ananias came, laid hands on him, prophesied over him, and said, primarily you're called to the Gentiles, to kings, and thirdly, if you've got time to do it, to the Jews. But he was a Jew. He loved the Jews. He had no heart for Gentiles. But his first calling was to the Gentiles. So for five years, he kept going to synagogue after synagogue after synagogue with minimal fruit, mm -hmm. almost no fruit. But every time he happened to accidentally speak to Gentiles... They wanted to hear more. <laughs> That's where his grace was. And I think it took him about five years to figure it out. And when you come to Acts chapter 18 and Paul finally begins mm -hmm. his focused Gentile ministry, everything changes. His team comes, money comes, protection comes. A lot of the things he dealt with in the first five years abruptly ended. And that's what happens when you get in the will of God. It doesn't mean you won't ever have a problem. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the will of God, there's a different kind of a grace that comes. 
Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people know the will of God. They just don't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they've gotten in it and then they've got bumped out of it. Mm -hmm. But you can get back in it. Tell us, I mean, for those that are listening, we have people that listen to this program who are brand new Christians. Um, They use the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They use the Word of God. But Mm -hmm. then what's next for knowing for sure that they're in God's will for their lives? And what about for the person who thinks they're in God's will, but they're having adversity and they're questioning it? Well, sometimes it's a process. To be honest, Mm -hmm. it's a process. If you look at the story of Abraham... I mean, Abraham made every mistake you can possibly make. We call him the great father of faith, but actually he just made a lot of mistakes. God said, I want you and your wife to come by yourself. So he brought his father, he brought his nephew, he brought all their servants. I mean, he did not really clearly obey what was said to him. And it took Abraham years to finally get in the place where God could bless him. Mm. It's funny because people say, I want to be like Abraham. Yeah. I want to believe God for as long as I have to believe. But was it the will of God for Uh, Abraham to take all that time? No. No. Abraham kept delaying the will of God by making mistakes. Mm -hmm. But the good news is, if you've made mistakes, that doesn't mean it's over. You can still get where you're supposed to be. And when you do, things begin to happen. That's my story. Exactly. And and your story is powerful because, and we're going to discuss it again on this program, um, you did something that no one was doing in your time. And you literally claimed Russia, the former Soviet Union, for Christ. And, I mean, how did God reveal to you that was his will for you and Mrs. Renner to take your three little boys and go to Russia, um, the former Soviet Union, and plan a ministry that now is really a global ministry in in one of the most difficult places in the world? Well, I was raised as a Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of missionaries in my family. And I kind of grew up with a grudge against missionaries. (laughs) I really didn't enjoy missionaries, and I know this is terrible, but I kind of thought missionaries were people who failed in America, so they went somewhere else. So I just didn't like them. But I was invited to speak in a missions conference. And Jeremiah, I went to that conference. Here I am supposed to be the speaker that night. I am sitting on the front row. They're about to call me. I don't want to be there. I don't want to speak to these missionaries. I want nothing to do with this, and here I am in a missions conference. (laughs) And I dropped my head to pray. And when I did, I saw a Bible sitting next to me on the pew. Have you ever heard this story? I have, but for the benefit of our audience, continue. (laughs) Well, I decided to pick up the Bible and to see who it belonged to. I like to see what people write in their Mm -hmm. margins. And when I opened it, it was a Russian Bible. I could phonetically read it Mm. the first time I ever looked at the Russian language. Well, I didn't know that Russian was a derivative of Greek. Mm. It came from Greece. Mm. And I sat on that front row reading the Russian Bible, not comprehending what I was reading, but phonetically I knew I was reading Mm -hmm. the Bible correctly. And God got me into that service to put me on that pew next to that Bible. And when I saw that I could phonetically read Russian, it was like a hook was set in my heart. And after that meeting, I began studying the Russian language and quickly memorized 800 Russian words. I remember laying in bed at night, Denise and I about to go to sleep, and I'd be speaking Russian to Denise. (laughs) And she was wondering, why is he doing this? And I didn't know why I was doing this. Wow. You know, sometimes the, the, the will of God kind of begins to wake up inside mm-hmm. you. You may not at first realize God is speaking to you. I mm-hmm. did not know. Mm-hmm. I just knew suddenly I was captivated by the Russian language. Mm-hmm. And I would be speaking Ru- Russian, you know, it's time to go to bed. And Denise would say, well, what does that mean? 
I'd say it means good morning. <laughs> she would say, well, how do you say good night, Rick? <laughs> let's, go to, let's go to sleep. But a short time after that, I was invited to speak in the Soviet Union. Mm. And it was dilapidated. The Soviet Union was totally broken. A no fiction writer, no fiction writer could ever write the mess mm. that existed at the end of the Soviet Union. Mm. Bread lines, no food, no flour, no sugar, no milk, no eggs. I remember thinking, what happened to the chickens? Mm-hmm. You know, how could there suddenly be no eggs? Where'd the cows go? There's no, mm. there's no milk. It's just a system so broken. And I ended up in the school there. It was the first above-ground school at the end of the Soviet Union. Mm. And when I opened my Bible to speak, the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly and said, Welcome to your new home. Mm. And I just stopped. I thought, What? And I heard the Holy Spirit say it again, Welcome to your new home. And I looked out at all of those Russian-speaking students, Soviet students at that time, poorly dressed. Most of them have parents and grandparents who had been in prison. We're in a building that is just across the street from the KGB in that city. And the building is dilapidated. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding. You are calling me Hmm. to make this my home? Then the next days that I was there, it all began to come together for me. Hmm. Why I accidentally ended up on that pew next to that particular Bible why I was learning the Russian language, and now God's saying, this is your new home. But you know, God doesn't always reveal his full will to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just gives you enough mm-hmm. to get you moving. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were moving there for a year. I could make that commitment. But now we've been there 29 years. <laughs> Our final guest on today's show is Sheila Walsh. Tell us about the title. There's so much out there about self-help, but this book really pivots away from that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think the last thing we need is self-help. What we need is God help. And one of the things I've noticed um, as I've traveled around the world is somehow in Western Christianity, we're so me-focused, you know, on what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and how could I be better, and what will bless me, as opposed to Christ-focused. And so one of the things I wanted to say in this book is, look, you can spend the rest of your life trying to, to dot every you know, uh, I and cross every T and be the best Christian. Or you can spend your life passionately following Christ, who has said it is finished, you know, that the work is complete in him. So I just I really want to encourage men and women to, to take a shift from staring at ourselves in the mirror and instead staying our hope in the word of God and in the, and in the face of Jesus Christ. I just, I I love that because, you know, today we live in a society, so many of the unanswered questions I receive are people who don't think they measure up. They're measuring themselves against someone else's highlight reel on social media. And I I really feel like this book was a step of faith for you in many ways, because you're talking about those moments of tension. And I want to quote you from page 188 of It's Okay Not to Be Okay, and I want to encourage you right now to pre-order this book at Amazon.com. It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Sheila, you write, and I quote, It's easy to believe and take the next step when things are going well, but when you find yourself stuck between, get this, who you used to be and who you want to be in Christ, it can be a spiritual battle. Tell us about 
really that tension moment and what this book says to those are those people who are who are sensing that tension right now and honestly Jeremiah, i sense it in myself i mean i had a moment just the other day when um we've had a very busy schedule recently and i took an afternoon out to go see a movie and it was pretty abandoned in the movie theater just a couple of other people and because our son is just settling into his final year at texas a&m i had my phone on dim but i just i saw a text come in and i quickly looked at it and the only other guy in the movie theater yelled at me and told me to to turn that down, that, you know, I was going against all the rules. And <laughs> I apologized. And but then he went on. And here's what shocked me, Jeremiah. I found myself wanting to respond in kind to him. I wanted to tell him, listen, dude, I'm trying mm-hmm. to see if my son's doing OK here. And I, I actually left the movie early and I sat in my car and I found myself weeping because I thought, Lord, after I'm, I gave my life to Christ when I was 11, I'm now 62. That's 51 years of the faithfulness of God. But I still contend with my human frailty. And I thought, I did not represent Christ to that man. I could have been anybody he bumped into in the street that was going to bump him back. But that's what I'm talking about, this fighting for our faith, not just saying, well, that's just how we are. We're human. I don't want to be like that. I want to be somebody who contends for my faith and continually, daily, wants to become more like Christ. I love this, and I love how succinct you are and how you have this ability to give such fresh take. I mean, here you are, Sheila, we all look up to you. You have this powerful ministry, and yet even you have those moments where it's okay not to be okay, right? (laughs) I I do, but it's like what I'm learning is I'm learning that um, I can grieve the Holy Spirit in a moment, and rather than just letting it go, to find, you know, to immediately get down on my knees and say, you know, Father, forgive me for allowing my humanity to be more present than being aware that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are living in a very angry, broken culture. There's never been a better day to be the fragrance of Christ to a broken world. Friends, it's Jeremiah Johnson. We've got to jump to a break in just a few seconds, but I want to say this. Do you know that Sheila Walsh was the first guest that we had on the Jeremiah Johnston radio broadcast? And I will never forget that because this ministry uh, starting this broadcast was a real step of faith, and we didn't know if it was going to gain traction or not, and it has by God's grace. And Sheila, I'm so grateful to you. You were the first person to text me back and say, absolutely, I would love to be on your program. So I'll never forget that. Remember, friends, when we start something, little as much, When God's in it, I'll be back with some final thoughts after the break. Hey, it's Jeremiah. Wow, Uh, what a program. What a moment to just reflect on God's goodness in our lives, isn't it? I'm so thankful for everyone here at Faith Radio Network for this first year. Again, like I said last week, I can't say enough. Uh, about the wonderful team here at Faith Radio Network that I have the privilege to work with. Neil Stavum, uh, just an amazing man of God and a dear friend, a great sense of humor. And of course, our our wonderful producer, a fine young man of God, Nat Becker, who every single week works tirelessly producing this broadcast, uh, finding me wherever I am in the world to make sure we have what we need for the show. 
Um, and just so thankful, too, to our team at Christian Thinker Society, Amy and Audrey, who work so tirelessly to secure great guests, and also to funnel me the questions that are coming from you, the audience, uh, through AskJJJ.com. And I'm so grateful for Alistair McGrath, David Limbaugh, Ronnie Floyd, Angie Smith, Rick Renner, Sheila Walsh, who we've highlighted on this show, but in no way, shape, or form do I want to put down by highlighting them all the other we've had. I mean, honestly, picking the best of for this series today uh, was like asking me which one of my five children do I love the most. I, I love them all crazy the same. <laughs> so every broadcast has been powerful and poignant, um, and it's really reflected the, the season um, of whatever questions were percolating at that time that you've submitted to me through AskJJJ.com. So I'm grateful to God for what he's doing. Let me just encourage you, if this is the first times that you've joined us, definitely, this is, this is the tenor of this show. We know our lane. We know who we are. We know the identity of this program. Um, it's unique in many ways. There's not other programs like it in very many ways. Um, but we're very centered on the Word of God. The Bible is our guide. The Bible is our answer. But we have to have these conversations. And so um, if you haven't, check out some of the other broadcasts. We did programs on archaeology. We did programs on how do you interpret the Bible. We did programs on mental health and mental wellness and suicide and depression, anxiety, grief recovery, spiritual warfare. We did an entire uh, show on just your unanswered questions, a series of programs. So lots coming our way. I'm delighted. And like I said in the beginning, definitely sign up for our website at christianthinkers.com, our website email. Like our social media because there's so much that we can't pack into this broadcast because we're so focused that we're doing. So thank you for your prayers. God bless you. And aren't you excited for to begin year number two? Now, next Saturday, we're celebrating truly the one-year anniversary of the show, the Jeremiah Johnson program. Stay with us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. If you have any follow-up questions from today's program, we'd love to hear from you. You can submit your questions at askjjj.com. From there, you can also connect with us across social media. All our conversations are available because of listener support. To find out more information, head over to myfaithradio.com. And so you never miss a show, you can subscribe to our podcast free in iTunes, the Google Play Store, or even our RSS feed. Thank you for sharing our show with a friend and growing the impact of our ministry.